Blog Talk Radio. I was up in 2019 with the Steelers and uh, kind of took it upon myself and I just knew how to market. Go- oh, you know, the, the new things with players and teams, they pay one receiver, then they hype up the other one. It's like, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a combativeness upon players because it's a alpha game, you know what I mean? It's, it's a war game, you know what I mean? Who's the best player? It's a... So, when you come conducive to all those things, you know, it's just... But in 2019, when you signed that contract with the Steelers, yeah. you, it was like a five-year deal. I signed it in 2017. It was a five-year deal for $73 million. Okay. Exactly. I played 2017, 2018. After the season of 2018, I understanding what it, what it meant to be marginalized, to be... Uh, to be, you know what I mean, just, just to be controlled, and, you know what I mean. After that time, you know, I just think I got smart and was like, you know, I wanted out the contract. You know? From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio, this a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listeners to the specifics of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spooler. So everybody, welcome to this Tuesday program, the 19th day of September, as we're coming fast to the conclusion of the month. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports. And today we're talking about the corruption and deceit of the NFL. You heard uh, the soundbite earlier, courtesy of YouTube, and related topics of Antonio Brown giving his synopsis of what happens in football. And, of course, uh, he has been uh, a guy who is a focal point the last few years, no longer, I believe, in the league. But uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the uh, heinousness of the National Football League. And, you know, it's interesting because way back in the summer, I guess it was late summer of 1919, uh, Ralph Hay, uh, the Hupmobile owner and salesman in Canton, Ohio, along with George Hallis, the two that were instrumental in putting together the American Professional Football Association, the A. PFA, which it was known in its first few years before 1922 when it became the National Football League, you know, they uh, put together what they thought was an innocent thing. Uh, teams from the Midwest, a conglomeration of teams that came together to form the National Football League. And, you know, it was a topsy-turvy league for probably 20 years, particularly the first 10 years. There's only two teams that remain from the original uh, charter members, and that is the Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. There are only teams left. Everybody went under. 
Um, you know, there was a lot of financial problems. Most people like the college game and not the pro game. You know, 50,000, 60,000 would go see Georgia Tech or Oklahoma or any of those schools, but they wouldn't, you know, you'd be lucky if you had 500 people come to see a uh, NFL game, which was played in parks around the, the Midwest. And so what Ralph Hay and George Hallis didn't live to see was that the NFL would become a conglomeration. It is the richest by far sport on earth. Nobody comes close. The NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, none of it. And it really didn't get defined until probably the early 1930s when uh, somebody got the great idea that they should play a championship game uh, instead of having the first place team be the champions. That's the way it was until about 1932. And then the NFL started to get stronger. You know, it started to get arrows shot at it from from rogue leagues like the uh, American League way back in the 40s, not to be confused with the American Football League of 1960, which we'll get to in a minute. But that was where Paul Brown made his legacy with the Cleveland Browns, and the 49ers and the Colts were part of that. And then the NFL sucked them up into the conglomeration. And then later... Lamar Hunt gets the idea of starting his own league as he's flying back from St. Louis to buy the St. Louis Cardinals in a failed effort from the Bidwell family. And the American Football League, with its 18 charter members, uh, kicks off. And then, of course, we had the secret merger in uh, 66, 67, somewhere in there, with Tech Stram and uh, conglomerating more into the NFL now, more money coming in because the American Football League now becomes the American Football Conference. And then these rogue leagues pop up, the World Football League, way back in the early uh, 70s that went out of business. The United States Football League that went out of business. The XFL, which started, I believe, in 1990 with great fanfare on NBC. I can still see Bob Costas promoting it. And it failed. And then, of course, the XFL now and the USFL are back, reborn. But really, nothing more than water off a duck's back to the NFL. And so the NFL has become this political machine, as is all sports, but particularly the major sports, probably less the NHL. Uh, maybe less Major League Baseball, but certainly NBA and the NFL uh, have uh, under their tutelage these situations that have become very political. They have espoused Black Lives Matter, which is nothing what they espouse to be. They espouse you know, racism and this and that. You know, there was a lot of racism back in the 60s. It was the, probably the greatest era of racism, but I don't remember Vince Lombardi and his Packers talking about it. They played football. Not that you shouldn't talk about it, but they played football. That wasn't within their realm. You know, it wasn't within Wilt Chamberlain's realm to talk about it. He played basketball. It wasn't within the realm of Red Arback to talk about it. They played basketball. And so the situation has become this politicalized potato, you might say, uh, where we see the helmets adorned with 
uh, various slogans and fields decorated in the NBA with their shirts, uh, you know, promoting this and that. And, you know, I think Laura Ingram of the Ingram Angle on Fox said it best when she told uh, the world about LeBron James' comments, who was always making comments. And here's a guy who's, you know, hypocritical to the core. You know, my people, this, that, my people are, are, you know, ostracized and they're downtrodden and this and that. And yet he, you know, promotes shoes that are made by slave labor in China with his mansions all over. Not that he's not entitled to that. He's worked hard to get it. He's a great player. But she said, shut up and dribble. Now, I understand what she meant. You have to play basketball, not to politicize the world. And that's what's happening. Although LeBron James, in in our country, because of freedom, has every right to say what he wants to say, but he's a hypocrite, like a lot of the people that play. You know, when you're making $10 million a year in sport, I don't know that you really care about other angles. Now, there are people that do, and I'm not saying there's not, but for the most part, football is a corrupt game. So is basketball. And when we look at the situation... We heard Antonio Brown, and we could have played more, uh, you know, slamming uh, the NFL for what it does to players. So now we want to kind of analyze the situation in the NFL, and we can probably spend four hours on it. We only have a half hour. So let's talk about it. When we look at, can the NFL escape the depths of its own corruption? So it's time for other more serious institutions to start treating the NFL like a rogue operation unworthy of their trust. So in 1924, I just wanted to relate a story. A Philadelphia lawyer named Owen Roberts was hired by Congress to look into the rapidly blossoming Teapot Dome scandal, for those of you who remember history. It was under Harding. And not long after he took the job, one senator pulled Roberts aside and cautioned him not to rely on a certain important government official whom the senator said was hip-deep in the thickly deepening muck of the Teapot Dome scandal. And that official was the incumbent attorney general of the United States, a crooked person named Harry Dougherty. And the senator told Roberts... Sometimes the corruption in institution is so deep and so thoroughgoing that it becomes the life force of the institution. It's more than the cost of doing business. It's itself the business that is being done. Sometimes the corruption in the institution is so positively endemic that it makes a sad mockery of the, of the situation. So put simply, the NFL has forfeited its credibility on just about any issue within an area code of morals and ethics. Its sense of civic responsibility as Uh, to almost nothing, and its public conscience is largely promoted. And the simple act of playing the game has been revealed as being so fundamentally destructive to the human organism that it's now impossible to believe that if we knew then what we know now, the game ever would have been invented at all, let alone that children ever would have been allowed to play it. So in an attempt to soft-pedal this ever more stark reality, the NFL has torn up the language. In an attempt to duck responsibilities for the health and safety of most of the visible employees, the NFL has cooked its own books and used 
for its own purposes, people whose earlier gigs included helping the tobacco industry try to get out from under five decades of negligent homicides. And now it seems that the NFL's corruption has managed to infect the government of the United States. A congressional report released last uh, week charged that after shoveling tens of millions of dollars to the National Institutes of Health for the purpose of researching the effects of concussions, the NFL then sought to rig the research and to direct some of the money to a doctor who was connected to the league. A congressman named Frank Pallone, those of you who live in New Jersey, remember, know him from the Long Branch area, from New Jersey, left every word unminced. So it's clearly time for another more serious institution to start treating the NFL like a rogue operation, unworthy of their trust. Congress already is looking cockeyed at it, which they normally do, and now respectable medical researchers should sully his scrub suit with the league's money. And every respectable scientist should look at the NFL the way they study uh, various organisms. Nobody ever, again, should trust in the league's good faith in its uh, area. It's pure uh, folly born of knowledge that ever since the 60s, when every play-by-play man in every broadcast booth smoked like Cleveland in the summer, the NFL was the central force of gravity in the American sports entertainment universe. It entwined itself with all the other centers of power in American society so tightly that it became one of them. And it allied itself with the corporate class. It romanced the politicians who were easily romanced themselves by corporate class. And the owner's box at, say, a Washington Redskins game at the old RFK Stadium was an incestuous power gaggle that belonged in a Russian novel. It looked very much like the luxurious, cozy arrangement that would last forever, and then players began to get lost coming home from the grocery store, so to speak, and then the players began to kill themselves. There was a time in which the NFL might have been able to get ahead of the story. The league's administration certainly had a moral obligation to do so. And after all, this wasn't burying some players who got caught burying weed, and it wasn't peddling influence to sucker some rubes into footing the bill for a new stadium like they did in Houston, like they tried in San Diego. This was a workplace safety issue that, handled correctly, would have gone a long way toward allying the suspicion that the NFL looked at its players as just so many disposable commodities. This was a chance for the NFL to remodel itself for the 21st century. Instead, the NFL denied the momentum of the science over and over again until that momentum became overwhelmed. And the league responded by trying to monkey-wrench the situation. It got caught once and got caught again, and then as it pursued a pathetic case against the Patriots concerning the amount of air in the football, it dodged the question while players, former players vanished into an internal fog. And then, of course, the commissioner, the uh, incomparable Roger Goodell, has been worse than incapable of handling the crisis. He's actively constructed a... Uh, village of concern around it, an edifice of denial and deceit that is now crumbling inevitably to dust, and the members of Congress don't appreciate being hornswoggled by obvious incompetence. They see enough of that among their own colleagues. Cutting-edge research scientists, the ones with intact ethical compasses anyway, don't like getting hockled in their work by glorified marketing geniuses. I think the commissioner and his spin apparatus have messed up with the wrong people at the wrong time. 
And if you're going to run a multi-million dollar enterprise that carries the kind of personal risk to its participants without which professional American football as we know it can exist, you have to run it with nearly complete medical and legal transparency. Back in the uh, bad old Olympiads, when the East German medical establishments were pumping their country's athletes full of whatever potions happened to be on the shelves that day, the worst of those crimes was the fact that athletes never were told honestly what was being done to their body chemistry. In February 2015, a former East German track star named Ines Geipel went public with her story of being doped up under the tender uh, supervision uh, of the uh, German Stasi, they call them, the dreaded East German secret police, the results were long-lasting and completely dreadful. So with that, the difference between the East German officials did to their athletes and the NFL stonewalling on what it knew to be the truth about what repeated concussions was doing to its players is a difference of moral degree but not of moral kind. And if you are profiting personally from the damage inflicted on the people earning you your money, and if you're lying to them about the nature and extent of the damage, you're pretty much a vampire and should be shamed from the company of deceit. That's the funniest thing uh, that could happen. So when you look at, you know, the situation, uh, and when I say the funniest thing, I mean the oddest thing, that can actually happen. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting as to what uh, sports has become. And so we're going to look uh, further now into how the NFL stays popular. Now, you know, it's interesting because the NFL uh, in the last probably three or four years has had, uh, I would think, some of the best ratings in football. There was a time... Uh, back in 2016 when it was uh, starting to uh, elude the public. I think there were times when, uh, you know, we this was pre-COVID. Uh, it could have been the fact that there are, you know, nine hours of football on a Sunday, and then Monday three more hours and Thursday more. And then, of course, Donald Trump was running, and everybody wanted to see his tirades on TV. But, you know, it still remains a uh, popular sport. And when we look at the situation in the NFL, uh, there are a lot of people that have said, you know, I can't live without it. I can't live without football. And then, you know, it was interesting because we didn't have football anymore when COVID struck. We learned to live without certain sports. And, you know, voila, in, in essence, we uh, planned our weekends in accordance and we found out that we could live without it and then of course they force fed it back to us and then the, the corrupt bargain between politicians and the nfl you know for a number of years you've been uneasy about the symbiotic and corrupt relationship between lawmakers and professional sports leagues especially football and of course as a general matter members of congress could not serve on corporate boards but somehow the sports team was viewed differently it should not have been and the redskins then owned by jack kent cook was a very large for-profit company with clear and important interest in front of the federal government professional football had an antitrust exemption worth a fortune and even then controversial so the redskins like the other national football league teams enjoyed very favorable depreciation rules for its players tax advantages that meant less revenues for the government and more profits for the owners 
Warner was a great senator, a man of integrity, but as a member of the board of the team, he had a fiduciary responsibility to look after his interests. And as a senator, he had a duty to look after the interests of Virginia and America. What if those duties clashed? Well, the Redskins back then were the only game in town, an obsession for Washington. Cook's owner's box each weekend was filled with Washington power brokers, including senators, House leaders, chairman of the Fed, cabinet officers, and others. Cook reveled in the friendship. They reveled in their access. And the buddy-buddy relationship between the NFL and lawmakers led to the antitrust exemption in 1961. And this is a multi-million dollar business. Why should it be given an exemption denied to other businesses and industries not doing professional sports? So when we look at all of the corruption that goes on, not to mention a very interesting thing. There was a film uh, with Will Smith several years ago, as, as you know. I believe it was called Concussion. I could stand corrected on it. I did not see the movie uh, but it was interesting to me because the NFL tried to ban it. You know, and it's interesting in our country, freedom of speech and freedom of the press are our two greatest institutions. We were founded on those principles, founded in a belief of, of, a, of a creator, founded on uh, various aspects of how we live today. And yet the NFL single-handedly, and Goodell was involved, tried to stop it when they showed what was happening to players uh, of yesteryear. You know, players now like Jim McMahon, who's suffering from dementia, uh, Brett Favre, uh, starting to have memory problems, Otis Taylor, uh, his sister took care of him, him for years before he passed away. He ate in a, on a feeding tube and was bedridden. You know, we looked at Junior Seau, who committed suicide. We looked at O.J. Simpson, who was the mark of greatness and goodness back in the 70s and 80s when he played. He was on every commercial, those big white teeth flashing at you. He was uh, the good old boy of America, and yet supposedly he killed his wife. And then after that, after all of that happened, then he held up a, a memorabilia place in Nevada. And a lot of... Uh, Neurologists felt that uh, CTE was the cause, and the NFL tried to cover it up. Uh, you know, not just this uh, institution of Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, we support this and that. We're talking about some heinous um, deceits with the NFL. They tried to ban the film, and the film still did not generate what a lot of uh, the producers thought it would. You know, it's interesting, too, to me, uh, and this is a side note, uh, Depeche D'Souza, who is an uh, American, uh, India, American Indian uh, from India, uh, documentary filmmaker, very bright guy, does a lot of speeches around the country. He made a film on how uh, the election was rigged between Biden and Trump. He had cameras all over uh, the United States hidden uh, at uh, the voting boxes. And these voting boxes recorded people coming in with hand trucks with bins filled with uh, votes, stuffing them into the ballot boxes and looking all around to see if anybody was looking. And yet the Pesh D'Souza's film was shot down. It wasn't in movie theaters. The only way you could actually see it was on his website. And it showed clearly, you know, 
hundreds and hundreds of people from around the country stuffing mailboxes, uh, ballot boxes, with uh, apparently illegal votes. What else would they be doing at 2.30 in the morning? This wasn't in broad daylight. This was, you know, God says that people do heinous things in the dark. That thieves rally around the darkness. And that's what was happening. And so the National Football League uh, was a prime example of trying to downplay concussions, trying to downplay the violence, uh, trying to get uh, cities to build stadiums. Now, the NFL has enough money to build a new stadium probably in every uh, National Football League city. And when people turned around and said, you know, we had enough, San Diego, as much as the Chargers uh, went over there, they uh, left for Los Angeles because the voter referendum voted it down, the new stadium. Qualcomm Stadium still there, San Diego Stadium, built in 65, 66, when the Chargers left Balboa Stadium. In Houston, Bud Adams gave the city an ultimatum, either build me a new stadium or we're leaving. The eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, is no longer feasible for us. And so what did the uh, Houstonites do? They put their thumbs down and said, go ahead, as much as we like our Royalers, we'll find another team. And so Nashville decided to build them a stadium, and so thus he left for Nashville. The same in Seattle with the NBA, with the Supersonics, who were a great team. They wouldn't build them a new arena, and so they went south to Oklahoma City, of all places. Became the Thunder. We've seen the oldest team in football, the Cardinals, go from Chicago, the Chicago Cardinals. They actually were in Racine at one point back uh, before the 1900s. And then they went to St. Louis. That's when they had Jim Hart, Conrad Dobler. And then they moved to Arizona. So the NFL, with Roger Goodell, who has, as you know, most of you know, is appointed, the commissioner is appointed by the owners, two-thirds majority owners. The salary for Roger Goodell is around $45 million a year, believe it or not. He has a company jet, league jet. He has health insurance, I believe, for life for him and his family. Um, he is the big kahuna, and yet he's done more damage uh, than any other commissioner. The greatest commissioner of all time was Pete Rozelle. I, don't, I, I, I would uh, argue anybody who dis, uh, disapproves of that. He was the one that built the NFL. He was this uh, skinny person that the uh, owners thought they could manipulate, and he turned out to be uh, having two uh, arms of steel. He politicized the NFL. He got the contracts going. He was responsible for the merger. He was responsible for licensing, TV rights, you name it. The NFL wouldn't have been where it is without Pete Rozelle. And here's a guy uh, in Roger Goodell who's done nothing to be able to uh, rid the league of all of its negatives. The only thing that he has been, do, been able to do is to make all of the owners billionaires. And he encompasses Black Lives Matter and we need to do this. No, you need to take care of the players uh, who uh, have been uh, ostracized by the league. Guys who uh, have not made 
very much money to take care of their medical situations. And there's also evidence that they didn't play, pay black players as much for concussions as they did the white players. And Ron Mix, the former great tackle of the uh, Chargers, was one of the lawyers who was responsible for putting uh, – the kibosh on the NFL uh, with this concussion thing. He took a lot of the former players under his wing and won lawsuits. So the NFL is far from the good boy image that it is. As much as we enjoy the games, as much as we like the game, uh, the game has come to an apex where it is uh, an injury-prone uh, game. It is a game of uh, hurt. It is a game of concussions, and it is a game of corruption. And uh, we'll have to see where it goes. It's like anything else in our country. It looks like uh, you know uh, it's going to continue. So we weren't able to do everything in the show to be able to tell you what's going on with you know uh, the situation, but we wanted to highlight some of it so you could see. So that takes us to the end of our program. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports, where we're talking about the corruption and the deceit of the National Football League. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio. Until next time, all of you enjoy the uh, remaining games in the NFL. Of course, they had one last night, Pittsburgh over Cleveland. Uh, the running back, Chubb, looks like he's out for the season as the injuries continue uh, of this uh, very violent sport. And also, uh, the Saints beat the uh, Carolina Panthers last night. Dual games on uh, Monday Night Football. All of you have a great day and great sport. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.